Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved, the podcast. The podcast. I just renamed it. Yeah, you did. Thank you. (laughs) We did need a change. So season nine, we've not actually given this the full experience that it needs, right? I mean, we're into season nine. We're about four weeks into season nine. And this, you know, it's funny. I'm going to say this. And I know we talked about it at the end of last season, but my plan was to only do 10 seasons of the show and then retire it. Yeah. 10 is a good number. 10 is a good number. You know, I mean, I think about shows, epic classic shows like Mm -hmm. Seinfeld and (laughs) Friends, you know, being about 10 seasons. Yes. And they're like, true. And then they go, goodbye. I don't yeah. want to say goodbye. I, I know. I think we got a good thing going here, personally. I know. You know, I, I agree. <laughs> I do. But at the same time, it's like, it's always so exciting and exhilarating to think that there is something new in the horizon. Which is true. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. you close one door, another one opens. This is true. So by now, everybody knows that I've partnered with Headspace. Yay! <laughs> My little hands. <laughs> Yeah, very excited. I like when he <laughs> Yeah, which I'm very excited about. This has been a long, long awaited announcement. And I think I can talk about this, but my conversations with Headspace started October of 2021. So a year ago. Wow. Uh, actually, exactly a year ago today. Really? Yes. That's wild. So that's insane. And it's been so worth the wait. The team at Headspace is so incredible. And I'm so grateful to be working with a group of people who love meditation and mindfulness as much as I do. And to be able to represent our Hispanic contingent, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's really important. I came into this world of wellness wanting to take everything that I was learning and bring it to the people like myself or like the people that I grew up with. And I feel that I'm at a place now in my life and in my career where I'm able to really focus on that and really bring that to fruition. It's actually the basis of book number two. I'm really, really honing in on making a lot of the people that I look up to and aspire to be like happy of the work I've done or, or proud. I don't want to say proud of because I don't, I feel like when you start asking people to be proud of you, it's a slippery slope, right? We've had these conversations. I feel like we've had Wisdom Wednesday conversations about this. We have. Definitely. Yeah, the validation <laughs> thing. It's like, I don't need you to be proud of me. I don't need you to validate me, but then I, I kind of do. But we want it. You know, it feels good. It. Yeah, it does. We want to know that it matters. What we do matters. And look, now there isn't as many as there should be, but 
meditations in Espanol, you know, like there isn't that many places that you can go and take Spanish speaking meditation class or Spanish speaking yoga class, especially here in LA, which you would think we would have way more access to that. There are mm -hmm. some, but I feel like my mission now is to really expand in that category, especially having the platform that Headspace has, uh, mm -hmm. being able to really uh, speak to the Hispanic Latinx audiences, you know? Yeah, that's so exciting. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't it be so cool if you could search for a class and have a filter that you could select that allows you to choose a Spanish-speaking meditation or yoga class? Yes, that would be amazing. I would go to that. I would too. Because isn't it cool to be even in it, just in another language, right? Yeah, it's beautiful to hear. Yeah, like in Italian, you can go to a class and have it be yeah. in Italian. Yeah. Right? I just love, so I cool. love, my favorite thing to do on vacation is find a yoga class. And, you know, luckily I get to travel globally. So oftentimes I, I can find a class with a native speaker. And usually when I go to Mexico, there's a teacher who's from Argentina and she just has the most beautiful, it's like honey. It's like warm honey being poured all over me when she speaks. I'm like, I don't need to understand oh, what you're saying. Just exactly. Say it to me. <laughs> I mean, you can watch, you can see, and it's just such a beautiful your different senses are engaged when you listen to different languages. Yeah, this is true. Oh, okay, well, that being said, we have a great guest for you today. A really incredible guest. And funny enough, I was going to try and tie in the, what we're talking about to becoming a boundary boss. And I just, I couldn't find the thread. I couldn't. I'm sorry, kid. Okay. We can switch. Um, we, we, okay. We're going to, we're going to hard pivot. Hard, hard, hard right turn. Hard right turn. <laughs> Put your seatbelt on. So today's episode, we're talking to Terry Cole about setting boundaries. She's going to clarify what boundaries are and how to recognize boundary violations, which we go there. She talks about how to set consequences and create proactive boundary plan out of love and kindness. Goals. Hashtag goals. Finally, mm -hmm. Terry lays down the four steps to simplifying boundary setting. So we're going to learn all about boundaries. I know we've had Nedra Tawab Glover on the show before, and she's talked about boundaries. And it's been a while since we've had somebody here talking about different ways to boundary set. It's an issue that a lot of us encounter, regardless of how much self-work we do. Sometimes we're the violators. Mm, yeah. And I think yeah. it's important for us to also learn how to recognize that. Yeah. So that being said, without further ado, here is my conversation with Terry Cole. You've seen the data, my friends. Americans today, more than ever, are paying attention to their health and overall well-being. It has especially become a priority for those who are working hard and playing hard well into their 40s and 50s and beyond. This is more than just a trend. The recalibration of thinking is causing people to be more conscious about what they consume and how their actions impact their environment. Enter Remedy Plus. Remedy Plus is a premium line of natural plant-based nutritional supplements, topicals, and snacks. Each product is uniquely formulated to help adults address specific performance challenges they face during different points of their daily routine. Now, my approach to health has always been one of a holistic standpoint. I've always wanted to optimize my health and my well-being, trying to just 
be the best version of myself and my health as I possibly can. And, you know, I've looked for products that I could use that I can incorporate into my daily routine that I feel really help me achieve the level of performance that I can and also help me focus throughout the day. And I can use Remedy Plus Rub on my knees after a long run. I can take some of the caps if I'm needing a little bit more help in my recovery. And I can do one of the shots if I'm needing to focus on my work, like right before I record a podcast. Remedy Plus is the singular name in plant-based performance. It's designed to help people punch above their weight and below their age. So make your health a priority. Head over to MyRemedyProducts.com and use the code ROSIE20 so you can save 20% off of everything available on their site. Go to MyRemedyProducts.com and use the promo code ROSIE20 to save 20% off of everything available on their site. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Radically Loved Podcast. I am joined by a very special guest today. Terry Cole is a licensed psychotherapist, global leading relationship expert, and author of the best-selling book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. Terry's mission is to empower as many people as possible to stop living out learned boundary behaviors that don't serve them. And we are excited because she's going to talk about the four steps to simplify boundary setting. We're going to talk about boundary violations, how to recognize when your boundaries have been violated and what to do next, and how to create a proactive boundary plan. We love boundaries, don't we? Because if we didn't have them, people would just walk all over us and we definitely don't want that. So I'm excited to share this conversation with Terry Cole. Let's talk about why people just completely blatantly ignore boundaries, number one. (laughs) And I also would love to talk about codependence because I think in my family specifically that they go hand in hand. Oh, yes, they do. Disordered boundaries, boundary bullies, boundary destroyers, boundary violations, and codependency all get mushed together. So why don't we start with just, I, I'm going to identify what boundaries are because really Rose, the people are confused as hell about yeah. what it means. Like we talk a lot, we hear, we see a lot in the interwebs about boundaries, but there's so many myths and misunderstandings out there about what it actually is. So I want you to think about your boundaries as your own personal rules of engagement, mm. basically letting other people know what's okay with you and what's not okay with you. So your boundaries, according to me, are made up of your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, like the non-negotiables for you in your relationships, your work, your life, whatever it may be. So it isn't just that you have to know those things, preferences, limits, deal breakers. It's that you have to have the ability to communicate them clearly, transparently, and when you so choose. And so a lot of those things are problematic for people because a lot of people don't even know what their preference limits and deal breakers are. So we can talk about how you can know what they are. But then the language of boundaries themselves, because all of us were raised, I mean, if you were raised as a woman, you were raised and praised for being a self-abandoning codependent, no doubt. Just the the more self-abandoning you are, the better you are. The better. 
right? The more malleable you are, yes. the, the easier you are to control. Don't be a big mouth, be a good girl. Where's my happy girl, right? It's not even enough to be good. You can't even be sad. Like you have to also be happy. Yep. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't stir the pot. Don't be a drama queen. All of that messaging. And this is throughout cultures. I've had women from over 200 countries take my boundary boot camp course and never once were they're like, oh no, culturally, I was encouraged to assert myself. No, you weren't. And some countries are more misogynistic than others and some cultures are more misogynistic than others. But there's a reality that how could we possibly know how to speak a language that no one has ever taught us? We wouldn't feel bad if we weren't fluent in French just because we really wanted to be. We would know you need a teacher, you need to learn. It's You become more fluent. The more you do it, the easier it gets. That's exactly the same thing with boundaries. So anyone listening to this, watching this, who feels like, ah, I'm a boundary disaster. Hey, man, welcome to the club. Who's not, right? Like Nobody is not, but it's not a terminal condition. It isn't fatal. You don't have to go down that way. You can learn. I wrote a whole friggin' book on it, right? Boundary boss right there where it's very possible for you to turn this ship around. You just need someone to teach you. Yeah. Oh, that, it makes me so hopeful. Is there ever a time where right before we started, I was telling you how my family, who some are watching this and listening to this podcast, and I don't care that you're listening to this or watching this, but we have this really sort of, difficult time with the people that we love and setting boundaries where I feel like one of my issues is I feel that it's too late or I'm almost 40 years old. Is it possible to establish boundaries with my family, with my father, this sort of codependence energy old that school. happens? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This old school where is when you said, oh, where's my happy girl? You know, this whole idea that I'm not allowed to have feelings, you know, where it's Well, you're like, allowed to have feelings as long as they're positive. Exactly. There as long as they're go. good, of course you can have feelings. You just can't have any other kind of feeling. Right. But your question, I'll answer your question. And the answer is yes. And when it comes to parents, and it depends on the culture that you're from, right? As to what hill are we going to die on when it comes to our parents? Like we choose our battles. The thought is you don't have to participate if someone is super trampling your boundaries. If you are feeling that someone is being a boundary bully and trying to control you, you can lovingly opt out of that, even though they're going to be mad. So part of it is, it depends on how close you are with your parents or with that parent, let's say. Mm -hmm. It depends on how, what else you're getting from that relationship. Yes. And then you choose your battles. Where if, let's just say I had a client who's uh, very close with her father, but super controlling, and he was really bigoted, and she really hated that, and it really bothered her, and she was raised that way, but she was not bigoted, she wasn't racist, and she just decided that anytime her father spoke in this way, because it was so offensive to her, she told him, I, at the moment this hate speak starts coming, I'm going to leave. And he was like, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I'm warning you, dad. I'm telling you that's what's going to happen. And she started doing it. And I have to say, he curbed 
Now, did it cure his racism? Obviously not. But what it did was it made her not feel like she was colluding Mm. with his racism. And she did it in a respectful way. She wasn't trying to change his mind because he's like 75 and very pigheaded and not going to change. But she, by our healing comes from making the ask, our healing comes from having the courage to negotiate for the way that we feel for what we want. You don't owe it to a parent. That's what she and I were talking about. I was like, you don't owe it to your father to let him be hateful around you. It is offensive to you. You're not a racist. You don't like it. You have every right and you've got to do something, right? So instead of arguing with him and saying how wrong, she just started saying, okay, well, that's my cue to leave. I'll see you guys next weekend. I love you. Goodbye. And there has to be some consequence. Yeah. So let's get into boundary violations a little bit. Yes. Yes. And consequences. Because here's the thing. A lot of times we can think that people in our life are boundary bullies, right? We'll be like, oh, that person, they're such a boundary bully. But I would say to my clients, and I teach it in the book, if you have not had an actual conversation with that person about your boundary preference... I don't know that we're going to put them in the boundary repeat offender category, Mm -hmm. even if they're like that. So we have boundary first timers, the way that I teach it in the book and in my courses, you have boundary first timers, which are people, even if they've been bossing you around all your life, if you've never had an honest conversation, meaning you haven't done your part Mm. in talking to them, there's still a boundary first timer, according to me. Then you have the boundary, the repeat offenders who will eventually fall into the boundary bully category where you do make the request that they stop saying racist things or that they stop dropping their wet towel on your beautiful wood floor, let's just say. And there has to be a consequence. If you're going to stay in a relationship with that person, then we add a consequence. We don't do it when they're a first timer because we don't know. They might just be like, oh man, hey, I didn't know you felt that way sure, I'll stop leaving my wet towel on the wood floor or whatever, right? We don't know. We haven't given them an opportunity yet to be a part of the solution. Once you have the conversation, let's say it takes people a little bit to change though, if it's a a long-term relationship or even just an established relationship, you're probably going to have to remind the person, oh, hey, remember last week when we talked about the fact that if you were going to be more than 10 minutes late, you would text me to let me know. Today, you were 20 minutes late and you didn't do that. So I'm reminding you of our agreement. Are we still in agreement that you're going to do that? Because I have to tell you, I am using a lot of self-control to not be really angry right now, because now you're not keeping your word. You said you would do it. You didn't do it. The person will either say something like, oh my God, you're so right. I was so like stuck in traffic and lost in my head. I didn't even think about it. I'm sorry. I will be more mindful, right? That's, of course, what we pray they say, but you know, right, right, right. there's just, there's a chance they will, there's a chance they won't, or they might be defensive, but there has to be a consequence that goes along. So let's just say it's the being late for dinner thing. Maybe you happen to be the person who's cooking when they're always late. You can say, let me, and I use this, and I use this example in the book as well. Then you bring it to, hey, we've had this conversation a couple of times You've agreed to let me know. You haven't kept your word. If it happens again, I'm no longer cooking for you. I will cook for me. I will eat at the time that we said we're going to eat. You can warm up your food when you come home. And that makes me really sad. But I'm not willing to continue to be in this cycle of frustration with you because it ruins our evening. 
right? I'm mad at you all night. I feel undervalued and marginalized. My effort feels like it's not appreciated and I don't like that. So that to me, that's an appropriate consequence for that type of boundary violation. Now that's the thing that people have a lot of trouble figuring out, like what is the right consequence? Well, the consequence, let's say in my client whose father was a racist, the consequence was she would remove herself and how that affected him is she only saw them once a week and she would cut it short. If it happened in the first half an hour, she'd be out. So there was a little suffering for the dad to miss her. Okay, so then respect my effing boundary and you won't have to miss me. I'll stay the whole day. If you can go for five hours without being a racist, that would be amazing. Now, she wasn't saying that, but what she, her actions, sometimes the most bold boundary that we can create for ourselves is an action, right? Is exactly what she did, which is removing yourself. It's, you can also say, if you continue to raise your voice, I'm going to hang up the phone. And then if they raise their voice again, you hang up the phone. And if they're like, I can't believe you can say, hey, hey, right now I'm telling you, this is my boundary. Every time you raise your voice to me, I will be hanging up the phone. I'll say goodbye. Maybe you hear it, maybe you don't because you're screaming, but I'm telling you that is a non-negotiable for me. And that's the way we stand up for our non-negotiable boundaries. Not every boundary is a non-negotiable boundary, right? Sometimes it's just a preference. I would prefer to eat this food over that food. They're not all deal breakers, but they all matter because your preference, your limits, and your deal breakers, they're not just the things that make up your boundaries. Think about it. They're the things that make you uniquely you. So your preference really does matter. It's how we let people in. When we say, you know, I actually would prefer, I don't like to go to outside concerts. It's not about complaining. It's about intimately sharing ourselves. And when you really love someone, don't you want to know? I'm so, you know, with my husband, 25 years, it's like, I'm still completely interested in his preferences, even small ones, because I want to be a part of whatever solution there is making his life better or more enjoyable or happier. I want to do that. And in the beginning, when I would be like, if I'm doing anything that's bugging you, please tell me. He'd be like, you always want to be in a fight. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I'm like, I do not want to be in a fight. <laughs> I am not saying anything is wrong. <laughs> I'm saying if I'm doing anything that's irritating you, I would like to know it because a lot of these things I could change and I want to. I mean, he's fine now, 25 years later, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, can't wait to tell me. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, no, I love that. I, Tori and I have been together. We celebrate 20 years next mm. April. So yes. I totally get it. And it's so interesting what you're saying about the preferences and, you know, when you love somebody and you want to know, and and I think it's the same just with any relationships, you know, what specifically with that example that you're giving, it definitely resonates with me. I had this issue with my dad for a couple of years with the drinking was getting a little intrusive in our relationship. And Mm -hmm. I would set boundary after boundary until I finally had to do the, okay, well, I know if you're not going to respect this boundary, then I have to change when I interact with you. And I just can't interact with you when you're drinking. So that means that I talk to you during the week or I go see you during the week. And, you know, our visits are sort of focused at this space and time when I know that you are going to be 
nice, you know, mm-hmm. that you're going to be fully here and present and we can actually have a conversation. Not that we can't, but it just, you know, it's like, I don't have to explain why I prefer the things that I prefer, right? I like to interact with my father when he's in present? in full presence, right? Yeah. So, uh-huh. but one of the things that, as you were saying, the boundaries, right? And establishing that, having the conversation, saying what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do. What do you do when somebody, I'm going to give my dad as an example, I set these boundaries and it turns to, oh, well, now you're being like your mother. Like, oh, now you're, now mm-hmm. you're really being like, like that's supposed to be yep. offensive. You know, it's like, yep. oh, you're being like your mother now. What is one supposed to do with, you know, yeah, you establish a boundary with a person and then they come back at you like that. I think you can say, well, it's obvious by you saying that, that you're upset and angry and you want to hurt me by saying that. Although me being like my mother actually makes you feel kind of good, but yeah, anyway, totally. No, right. I'm like, we don't need I'm like, yes, I am like my mother, you know, you're like correct Val. <laughs> all right. We don't need to totally provoke him, <laughs> but it's more about pointing out what you see mm. rather than having like a quippy comeback. It's more like saying, obviously dad, you're angry right now. Or you wouldn't say that. You want me to be offended by that statement. But here's the thing. You're not going to derail me from what I'm saying. It is my right to not interact with you when you're drinking. That is my choice and I will stick to it. So I'm, I'm done trying to control your drinking. We're clear. Drink whenever you want. Just know when you do, I will be. If it's too much for me, I will be leaving the party. I will plan to see you when I know you're going to be sober. And that is my right, Dad. I love you just the same. I just don't want to have conversations with you that you're never going to remember and I'm never going to forget. See? That is good. That is good. It's so (laughs) true. Can you tell I come from an alcoholic family? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I feel like you're really connecting with me at a deep (laughs) level. And no, I I love that so much. And I think it's been when, especially growing up in a family of alcoholics, like Mm -hmm. I, this has been my life's work to try and establish those boundaries and the codependency and just like within my family. I mean, there's just so, and there's so much of it, right? It's that learned behavior that we've grown up with. And then, Mm -hmm. then my, you know, my cousins and now their kids are growing up with it and now they're having kids. And it's just, we're just repeating these cycles over and over where they could have been, and then everybody just pretends like everything's fine. But I think that the key is what you said in the beginning, which is the part that I feel most people forget, especially when you're doing any type of self-development work or you're going to therapy or you're doing, is that hardest initial conversation of telling somebody, I'm going to set, that we're setting a boundary. Like I'm Mm -hmm. going to tell you what my preferences are and I'm going to tell you how you and I can have a better relationship. I think that a lot of the times people feel that they're getting a boundary, like it's, oh, now you're mad at me or I did something Mm -hmm. wrong or what did I do? Why are you mad at me? Like, do you have resentment? And then it becomes this whole thing where, you know, does that make sense? Yes. But here's the thing. It makes total sense where they're also, it's like this distraction that they're taking the whole thing into this other direction. Like now you're mad at me. You're like, Hey, Hey, hey. exactly what I said 
is what this is. I'm not mad at you. I'm not holding resentment. What I'm doing is establishing a boundary because I love you. And because this is how I'm protecting our relationship. So I'm inviting you to respect this boundary out of your love for me, right? People don't like us to change the Rosie. Here's the thing. Change scares the crap out of people. So fear of success, fear of failure, two sides of the same coin. The coin is fear of change. So what initially, when we change the dance, think about, right? When you change the boundaries in a relationship, you're changing the dance because usually I do this, you do that, we do this, this is how it goes. So of course, the people that you've danced with the longest, the OG dance troupe is your family of origin, right? So they're the ones who really friggin' do not want you to change because it upsets the homeostasis or the balance mm. in the family system in a way that is very threatening. But what I always teach my clients and in my courses is that you can stay lovingly attached to your father, even when you're drawing a boundary that he doesn't like. You can say, dad, I see that you're upset. I still love you. And I'm like me. Maybe I'm like mom. Maybe I'm like you. But this is, this boundary is coming from me. So I love you. As you're upset, I still need this boundary to be in place for my own mental wellness. You can say any, any version thereof. And listen, your father may understand or he won't, but what people will see over time is that you having the courage to establish what's okay with you and what's not okay with you, they will respect you, if nothing else. And if you stay lovingly connected to them, their feeling of being threatened will get smaller and smaller and smaller because they'll see they're not losing you over this. They just can't manipulate you. They just can't control you. And in the beginning, if it's a situation where they've been controlling, because listen, anyone who is an addict, I'm not saying your dad is, I'm just saying in general in life, there's a certain amount of domination that that addicted person has over the people who love them. I remember many, many, I mean, decades ago, I heard this phrase and I just, it resonated so hard. Alcoholics don't have relationships. They take hostages. That is deep. Right? Because you're just so screwed either way. Yeah. When you love an addict, you know the good in them. You know who they really are. And then they do these horrible, terrible things and act like ridiculous and terrible and embarrassing, like make terrible choices, do awful things, and you can't not love them because you already do. It's like trying to shut the barn door after the horses are already out. Right? Like it's too late. You're like, I'm already in a relationship, whether it's a sibling or whoever it is. But we can create those boundaries with love. And you can always do it with love. Or if it's like Bob from accounting, you can do it with a little more heat if if it's appropriate, right? We don't have to set boundaries with love, but we can always do it with kindness. And a really important aspect of boundaries that I think people are very confused about is that boundaries are not about controlling another person. Yeah, They're not a lever to control. And I feel like a lot of times on social media, I read things and I'm like, no, that's not a boundary. That's just you wanting to control, to control. someone. Yeah. So quickly, the distinction, right? I had a client who, she liked to go to bed early. Her partner liked to go to bed late. 
She was like, I need to have a boundary conversation with him. I'm he like, should not be going to bed so late. <laughs> that is your life. Go on. <laughs> this is going to help me a lot right now. Thank you. <laughs> well, she had two boundaries she thought she needed to make. He shouldn't be staying up so late because it's not good for his health. And that's worrisome. And when he comes in late, he puts on the light and wakes me up. Okay. So I said, all right. So for clarity, he can go to bed whenever he wants. So that's not a boundary. That's you just wanting to control him to make him be a morning person like you, but you've married him and you know he's not. So maybe you guys can negotiate to try to go to bed together so you can at least fool around a couple of times a week. Maybe two nights a week, you go to bed together at 10. So there was that clarity for her. I was like, that's not a boundary, that's control. And the second one was a boundary because although as a grown man, he had every right to go to bed when he wants, even if his wife didn't like it. He did not have the right to flip on the light, get undressed in the bedroom and friggin' wake her up. And then he conks out in two seconds and she's awake for the next two hours. Right. So that is clarity on. She has the right. She bought him a friggin' miner's lamp so he could just stick it on his uh-huh. head and not put on the massive lights to wake her up. And once she got it, she was like, oh, you're right. I do wish he would like to come to bed sooner with me every night. But you're right. That is his right. I was like, how would you like it if he was trying to make you go to bed at midnight when you like to go to bed at nine? She's like, I would kill him and I would never do it. I was like, correct. So flip it around. That's not the boundary that's control. But the waking you up and being inconsiderate, that is a boundary. Yeah. Fairity is all about clothing for life's best moments, whether it's the first day of school or hanging out with your family in your backyard this fall. They make clothes that feel good and make you feel good. This company was founded by twin brothers, Alex and Mike, and they grew out of a longtime love of surf, mountains, road trips, and beach bonfires. You know that feeling. For me, it is very SoCal. One of the reasons why I love Faraday so much is because they are so passionate about the craftsmanship and sustainability. And for any of you people out there who are not into fast fashion, I'm not, but I know that other people might be. I'm really about working with brands or buying brands that are really focused on sustainability. Every piece is designed to be a lifetime favorite. In fact, their clothes gets even better with age. I've had some of their pieces for many years now and One of my favorites, which I've talked about on the podcast before, is the one and done jumpsuit. It is my absolute favorite. It's the easiest outfit to put together. I can dress it up. I can dress it down. And the material, I'm not kidding, just gets better with age. And right now, Faraday is giving all of our Radically Loved listeners 15% off of every order. You heard me. You get 15% off of your order. Just head over to faradybrand.com forward slash loved and use the promo code LOVED at checkout to get this deal. That's code L-O-V-E-D at Faraday Brand. That's F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com forward slash loved for 15% off. FaradayBrand.com forward slash loved. Okay, I love that. That's great. I love the couple nights of oh, a week experience because I've had the same exact issue and it is controlling. And it's funny because he, Tori will be in bed at 
you know, he's what he's trying to watch something. I have an eye cover, you know, we've compromised, too, right? Of course. So Even it's like, I, I have the eye cover. I've got the ears. I'm good. He can, I'm like, go ahead and watch TV. It doesn't bother me. I don't see anything. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. and I woke up one night and, you know, he's watching this like race car thing. And I'm just like, that's why you can't go to sleep because you're watching all this like race car, all this loud stuff. And he's like, no, I can't go to sleep because it's nine o'clock and I've been in bed for an hour. <laughs> you know, it's like, so then I think that really, that really helped so me, you know, understand. I'm like, okay, well maybe we need to revisit the situation. And, and I think I'm going to have the conversation with him about, I can compromise a couple of the nights a week. I think that's good to just say, hey, maybe two nights a week, yeah. you can come to bed when I go to bed and the rest free for all. Like, do and, and he's really considerate about like not coming in and being. Right, but P.S., do you want to you hear what's funny? Yes. What I actually suggested is that two nights a week, you meet in the middle. Not that he comes to bed at seven with oh, you, okay. but that you both go to bed at 9.30 or something. That would be oh. later for you. So that on Earlier those two for nights him. a week, both of you are compromising. Oh, that's good. Okay. Maybe I don't tell him that. Maybe I tell him my way first. And then if that doesn't work, I'll try yours. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. She just changed it in her mind. She was like, he'll do what I want. I know. Doesn't that tell you a lot of this personality? Uh That's hilarious. How do you recognize if somebody's setting a boundary against you? Not against you, but like, what does one do? How does somebody, what would you recommend a reaction to be mm-hmm. if somebody has called me and say, I mean, it's never happened to me because I'm awesome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but do you understand what I'm saying? It's yes. Like it's time- hard to take it. Listen, I know what you're saying. It's like, if, if we've been a high functioning codependent, as I talk about, yes. if we've been people pleasers, if we do all the things for all the people, me and we definitely have disordered boundaries if we're doing that. Then when someone says no to us or has good boundaries, we're like, Betty has some friggin' nerve. Yes. After all the crap I've done for her, like she's got to be kidding me that she can't do that because it's not convenient for her. Judging the crap out of other people who have good boundaries until you start to develop your own. And then you might have a little respect for Betty. Maybe not. Maybe she's an entitled jerk. I have no idea. But the way you receive it when you are taking better care of yourself, when you are lovingly respecting your own preferences, limits, and deal breakers, I think you're way less reactive when other people have preferences, limits, and deal breakers, and you get interested. It's like you can become interested in why your friend can't do that thing. You can say, okay, well, tell me more about that. I can respect that right? You have every right. Or I'm disappointed. And sometimes we feel like it's uneven. A lot of times if you've been an over-functioner, you're doing more of the emotional labor in all of your relationships, probably. Yeah. Because we're just keeping the ship going everywhere, not just the ship of our home, but the ship of our friendships and the ship of our, you know, we're keeping our business going, we're keeping it all going. Mm -hmm. But if that is being driven by fear, which it is, if we're overfunctioning to that degree, trust me, it's not just ambition. I thought my whole thing was just, I'm just ambitious. It's just my personality. You know, that's how it is. And then I really realized in therapy, like I thought I was running towards something, you know, all the years because I was a talent agent for celebrities and supermodels before I became a therapist. And I was like, I'm just running up the mountain of entertainment. It's going to be amazing. And then I realized in therapy, I was really running away from something. 
fear of not being good enough, fear of being born the wrong gender. I was my father's fourth daughter. I really felt like he wanted a son. There was a lot of things mm. that 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 ambition was fueled more like, let me show you. Let me show you. I'm going to be more successful than any stupid son you could have ever had. You'll see. As opposed to going towards something that is like your dharma, your destiny, joy. There was something about that. So you have to look at what is driving your behavior Mm. in these situations and learning to respect and accept the boundaries of others is the other side. You cannot be a boundary boss, according to me, if you can't do that. People are allowed to disagree with us. We're allowed to disagree with people. We don't all have to have this group think where we all think the same thing, but we have to do it respectfully. Right. And I think that this is where boundary stuff comes in, where a lot of times someone, if they don't like the way you're feeling or if you're upset and we're only supposed to be having the positive feelings, they can say, well, you have no reason to feel that way. I don't understand why you feel that way. I will immediately say, here's the thing. You don't have to understand why I feel that way. I just told you I do. But if you want to stay in the VIP section of my life, how I feel has to matter to you. Mm. You don't have to understand it. I don't. I think half of the crap I feel my husband doesn't understand, but he definitely gives a shit about the way I feel. I think he wants to understand, but it doesn't need to make sense to him if it's my life and I'm telling him, like someone, that's a boundary, um, an emotional boundary violation. If someone is like, you have everything. You're ungrateful. I don't know why you're upset about that. You don't have to know why, pal. But if you want to be in my life, how I feel must matter to you. And I'm not looking for your approval. I don't need your opinion on my feelings. I need you to be concerned if I'm upset or if I'm hurt about something. Concerned would be your only response. Not, you need to convince me you have a right to that feeling. I already have that feeling, pal. Like, it's too late. <laughs> you know? That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's powerful. I mean, it is so incredibly powerful it feels like everybody's truth is allowed to be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love that. What are some ways to simplify boundary setting? Mm. All right. You have to look at what are like what the first thing we're looking at is what boundary needs to be set. That's the first thing is real clarity. It's not enough just to say, I'm annoyed by this person or I'm upset about this thing. We've got to be like, I'm upset about the fact that during the meeting, Bob was on his phone, which is against the rules and was distracting me while I was giving my presentation. And it was disrespectful. Like we're specific about what is the boundary that we need. So what could be helpful is doing a resentment inventory. So if people are like, I don't know how I feel, no, you do, trust me. So you're going to go through the important people in your life or anyone. Think about it right now. I could name, because listen, we're human beings. Even being a boundary boss, of course, sometimes I'm going to be holding on to resentment for things, like small things, big things. So you guys watching or listening, think right now, who are you holding resentment for and why? So this, the resentment inventory will give you clarity on where you need a boundary. So we're really clear on step one. And then we're going to pre-plan. If it's someone you're in a relationship with and you know them, we're going to strategically, right? You're not going to set a boundary with your father at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night, right? 
nope, that would not be the good time because that probably might be a time when there would be drinking involved. That wouldn't be helpful. If I know that my partner is not a morning person, I'm not going to jump out of bed at 6 a.m. and be like, hello, I'd like to have a boundary conversation because that wouldn't be the optimal time to do it. We have to know our people. So anyway, if morning people were not doing it in the morning and you know the players in your life, you know the history, you know when to do it, but we have to think about it. Because a lot of times, once we make the decision that we're going to start drawing boundaries, like we just can't wait to grab a megaphone and be like, everybody, we need to talk. Like I'm going to be confronting all the people (laughs) in my life. No pre-warning. It really really messes up your position. There's no need to pre-warn. Like we need to talk half Saturday at two, you know? Yeah. Because the person's like, whoa, why? Do you ever want to talk to anyone? No. Who says, no. Oh, I don't like that. If somebody's like, hey, do you have time to have a conversation or or can we find some time to have a talk? I really need to talk to... Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm free right this second. Let's do it. That's what I'm talking about. No. You will not be planting that seed of fear in my unconscious mind for the next four (laughs) days, but thank you. Exactly. All right. So the second thing is you're pre-planning, right? Where you're doing it. Then we're going to write a boundary script. And this is really helpful. And yeah, you're right. It takes time, guys. You want it to be successful? The same way anything else that you're going to do that's worth doing, do it right. So you're going to pre-plan the script of what it is that you're going to say. Hey, I'd like to make a simple request. And I have a bunch here. I'll I'll give you guys, I'm going to give you a gift and I'll have them include some of the scripts in the gift. Um, I'd like to make a simple request. I wanted to bring to your attention. I wanted you to be aware of how I felt about right? These are all of these sentence starters. I thought you should know. I needed to tell you, I wanted it to be on your radar that last Wednesday in the meeting when you were on your phone. Like sometimes we just need to get the ball rolling. And of course, be clear when you're writing a script, you're never saying you, you're only talking about yourself. So you could say last week in the meeting, when you were on your phone during my presentation, I felt not only distracted, but also disrespected. I worked hard on that presentation, Bob, unless it was a family emergency. You weren't supposed to have your phone in there. I'd just like to make a simple request that you don't do it again because I really found it distracting and it was a drag. That's it. Bob could be sorry that he did that. Bob could say, you know what? I'm sorry. Actually, it was an emergency. And then I'd say, okay, thank you so much for letting me know. I don't feel bad that I said that to Bob because Bob didn't tell me it was an emergency. How the hell would I know? that he was on his phone for something legit, right? Right. How about leave the friggin' room, Bob? I have an idea. (laughs) Get up and leave the meeting like a normal person. And then we would have known something was going on. Yeah. So again, people will feel bad if someone's like, yeah, well, my mother was in the hospital. You're like, I'm sorry to hear that. And if I had known that, I wouldn't have been distracted. I would think it would make more sense for you to leave the meeting. But it's almost like people will sometimes use emotional things to try to manipulate us out of our boundaries. Oh my goodness, yes. But it doesn't work if you go, hey, but you know what would have been super helpful, Bob? If you had communicated that, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Yeah. But since I'm not a mind reader, I hope your mom's okay. That's it, right? Like, I don't know. You get to a point when you really are flexing the hell out of this muscle that you're just like not manipulatable. Yeah. Like it's really hard for people to manipulate you when you really know yourself and you know where your heart is, right? Like I'm not saying anything bad. I'm concerned about your mother is in the hospital, but you didn't tell me that. So how the hell would I know it? I don't know it. 
it's something that it grows the more that you do this. Anyway, let me finish my steps. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we got the boundary script. We're going to start. We're going to stay neutral. And you're only doing one boundary. There's no, no kitchen sinking it. It isn't like once you get started, then you're like, and also two weeks ago in the meeting, you yeah. did this and you did that and you did this. And in the summer of 78, like we <laughs> can't do that. You can always go back to the summer of 78 if something happened and you wanted to talk about it. But we want to be really clear and concise about we're talking about this thing, this one thing. And then the fourth step is you're going to visualize and execute. So before we even do it, we have to see it happening and we have to see success. And success is not Bob agreeing that he should have done something different. Success is not the other person approving of our boundary. Success is us having the courage to negotiate for our preferences, our limits, and our deal breakers, because that is where your self-esteem, your sense of self-worth, your growth, your healing comes from not living life, walking on eggshells and being afraid of everyone, including Bob from accounting. So we visualize the process and us just being very calm. There's no reason to have a lot of heat, which is why I like you, I want you to create this script that you will say in the mirror or say to a friend. Because in the beginning, some people get very emotional. You might say it for the first time and just spontaneously burst into tears. But if you Mm -hmm. say it with a friend or you say it to yourself first, that's way, way, way less likely to happen because your healing comes from your courage to negotiate for yourself and to stand up for yourself in a way that is healthy, that is normal. And when you can count on yourself to do that, that changes your life. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so incredible. I can't even tell you how, I didn't even know how, how much I needed this right now. <laughs> Just, I, I love learning about different ways to make relationships better. And I've always been a fan of boundaries and obviously coming from a family that was, again, largely codependent and mm-hmm. a family of alcoholics. I've, I've done a lot of learning and unlearning, and I really feel like this work is, is so needed and um, it really is going to create a more empowered way of living in the world. So thank you for, for all the work that you do. I know that you're, you're a big advocate for uh, people being in their truth, speaking their truth. And the name of the book is called Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. Yes. I want to give you guys a gift though. Yes. So, so I want to tell you where you can get it. I'm giving you a gift, which is about boundaries and codependency because of our conversation today, because who doesn't need more help on codependency? We all do. So you're going to get it at boundaryboss.me forward slash radically loved. Oh, that is the best. So we will put that in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, or if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description below and we'll be sharing it on social media. Also, Terry, I don't know if you know this, but we will be giving away 10 copies of the book to the first 10 people to tag both Terry and I on Instagram. We do giveaways all the time. Thing. I love it. Yes, we bought the books. So Thank we you. will be giving them away. So first come, first serve, my friends. Is there anywhere else where can people get a hold of you or connect with you? Yes, yes, yes. Well, terrycole.com is my website. 
I actually am doing a mastermind. I don't know when this is going to drop, but I'm doing a mastermind if you want to look at it. Only 12 women though. So it's, and it's getting full, but I feel like you'd be right for it. It's terrycole.com forward slash flourish is the mastermind. People have been asking me for so long to do one. And I just decided, so we're starting like mid-August on Instagram. I'm at Terry Cole. I have a podcast, the Terry Cole show that I've had since we were talking about this before we went live since 2015. I have a free group in Facebook. It's called Real Love Revolution with Terry Cole. So a lot of free resources for anyone, right? I've got high-end products like a mastermind that's 25 grand, but I also have, my book is in libraries all over the country. If you cannot afford a book, you can still read the book. And I have almost 400 free videos on YouTube that all come with a guide that you can download. Like I've worked really hard in my life to provide, because I believe that healing mental wellness is for all of us. It is not just for the elite or people who can have all the money in the world. So my free content has been, I've just been putting it out at my own cost. I've never taken, never had an advertiser on my podcast. I mean, I'm going to, I mean, seven years, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Are you doing it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, duh. I mean, everyone, <laughs> the guy was like, how have you not? I'm like, I don't know. But anyway, I just want to invite anyone watching or listening to really get it in your mind that you, whatever is not working in your life, you absolutely can change it. And if you don't have money, that's okay. Go to my YouTube channel. Just plug in boundaries. There'll be 45 free videos will come up for you. Plug in narcissism, plug in codependency, plug in anything (laughs) that you're having a problem with. And I promise you, I've done a bunch of free stuff on it as well. And I would love it if you would go there. It would make me so happy. That's amazing. Let's, uh, we'll put the links to all of, that information in the show notes. So please be sure. And also if you are inspired or feel compelled, share it with a friend, share it with your family members, share it with anyone and everyone who you think would benefit from this. So I do want to ask you one final question that I ask all of my guests, Terry. And the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? I feel radically loved in my relationship with my husband because I feel securely tethered and completely free simultaneously. I love that. I might take that, Terry. Feel free. Uh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for being incredible. I personally am going to check out all of the things because I just feel like I still have so much to learn. And again, I'm so grateful. Thank you again for being here. Everybody that's listening, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And we will be back and see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com. <laughs>